Welcome to Radio KAL, the Superman podcast brought to you by supermanhomepage.com. My name is Steve Eunice. This is our August 27, 2014 show, uh, released on that date for our August podcast. And I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, Scotty V. Hey, Scott. Hello, Steve. Hello, everyone else. I feel like we're always doing Radio KAL is what it seems like to me. <laughs> well, this is our second one for August in, uh, as such because uh, our July one was delayed and was done at the beginning of August. And it seems like it's a, a short month as far as where the Wednesdays are uh, concerned because we do release it on the last Wednesday of each month. And uh, August only has the four... Um, Wednesdays, and uh, the first one was just after our last recording, so um, we're like, uh, July had five Wednesdays, and I think, looking at the calendar, October has five Wednesdays, so yeah, it, uh, it came around quickly. Yes, right on top of everything, but that's okay, because it's always fun to uh, talk about Superman and hang out with uh, Steve for a while, so yeah. I hope you guys enjoy our little our little chat session. Well, it doesn't tend to be too little anymore, uh Looking back, I remember uh, at the very, very beginning of Radio KL, I think uh, the first one that Neil and I did went for seven minutes. <laughs> really? <laughs> it was an introductory show, like we were just saying, oh, this is a concept, this is what we're going to do, but um, we didn't really get into the details that you and I now get into and have for a while. So the shows used to be about an hour, I think, and now we go for about an hour and a half. We have added like a comedy sketch and and things like that, and the songs are always are good. So uh, without further ado, let's get into what we have to discuss this month. Let's do. It looks like we've got a bunch of movie stuff coming out, which so far in advance, you wouldn't. I wouldn't think there would be this much, but we've got all these photographs of, of people on set and Jedi costumes. It's, <laughs> it's, pretty, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, we've, uh, we have seen quite a few photos uh, from you know, people snapping paparazzi photos, fan photos, uh, on location there in uh, Detroit, Michigan. Uh, they've been in Corktown. They've been in uh, in other places around about the uh, the Michigan area. And um, when they are, are on location, using buildings and actual streets that have to be shut down or you know closed off for periods of time, there are going to be onlookers. They're going to be. It's it's hard to keep those things a secret. So people who work in those buildings or happen to be around that area can kind of get to the barricades, use their zoom lenses on their cameras and get into, you know, positions on roofs or in windows of office buildings and, and try to film uh, or photograph what they can see of what's happening. We've seen some car chases. We've seen, um, <clears throat> what's his name, Ben Affleck uh, as Bruce Wayne. Uh, we've seen Henry Cavill. We've seen all the other cast members. Uh, the, the Cavill one, was it was interesting. He was wearing that black cape, as you mentioned, that... Uh, that one that they used for that Jedi photo that we spoke about last month, um, where it's a, a you know a black robe that they wear over their costumes. They did it for Man of Steel to to hide what they're wearing underneath. And uh, Henry had his wide open and was walking uh, you know f on on the set uh, down the street out of the building, and people snap photos of him. And uh, the suit looks really good. Yeah, I mean, it's just as good a disguise as uh, Clark Kent wearing glasses. <laughs> no, no, just walk around with your clothes wide open and just uh, show everyone that you're wearing the uh, Man of Steel outfit. But yeah, I uh, I do think uh, Henry looks great. And um, people have mentioned that the colors look brighter. Uh, they kind of do in the pictures. But I, I think if you'll remember, we saw some photos 
back before Man of Steel was released that made the colors look brighter, look darker, look different. Mm. And then when you see the movie, depending on the light, depending on the situation, I think they may have even had different suits that filmed differently in different light situations to where when they wanted it to look really bright, it looked really bright. And when they wanted it to look darker, it looked darker. So I don't know that these pictures tell us that the suit's always going to be a much brighter red and blue and yellow. I think it's just one possible suit or one possible look, and it's the photo that we're getting. Yeah, and uh, I think the only thing we can really compare it to is similar photos that were snapped by paparazzi or fans for Man of Steel's on-location um, shoots and you know, and compare it to what the Man of Steel costume looked like under those circumstances. And I think... Again, you don't know what they're filming inside the door, inside these buildings at the time. As you say, they could be using a suit that's, you know, looks a particular way under a particular lighting in the filming that they're doing. But um, I think, it, it, you know, the the yellow and and the the blue do definitely look brighter in that particular photos that we have seen. Um, I like. I think the the piping on the on the the waist are a little less um, different in color as to the Man of Steel. The Man of Steel ones really st- stuck out to me. Deep seem to blend in a little bit more and don't seem as obvious. Um, but all in all, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with the look. You know, if, if that is the colouring that we're going to be seeing in the film, then I'm happy with it. Uh, I think uh, from just those photos, uh, there are really no complaints from me. No, I like it. I think it looks great. You know, when I pulled it up and saw it right on the Superman homepage there, I just, I, I you know, click on each individual photo and you get a screen size picture and um, they, they, I mean, whoever took these photos with a camera phone, I mean, most of them are pretty good shots and it, it yeah. looks real good. Don't know if it's a camera phone. I think it might be someone for like, um, MTV were the first to release the, well, uh, the photo. Right. So surely they're these paparazzi with their real high end, um, you know, expensive cameras. So, uh, and they snapped, you know, so many of them in a row so that they got him, you know, all, in all the different positions that he was walking, turning, what have you, rather than just one, someone on a cell phone. So definitely a right. uh, high end uh, photographer on, on those sense. ones. Yeah, but uh, it looks good. And uh, they've also managed to capture some photos of the other cast members, as we said, uh, on set, on location there. A lot of them were at the same time. We saw Henry Cavill walking side by side or near... Uh, Tao Komoto, the uh, who many people think may be playing Lex Luthor's henchwoman, um, Mercy, maybe Mercy Graves. Uh, and uh, then we saw Holly Hunter was also there. She was having a smoke on outside. And Scoot McNary uh, wearing what looked to be very strange and very mysterious green screen leggings or socks. Yeah, it was it was interesting because uh I mean I could look it up, I just didn't. I haven't done any research on Scoot McNary, but I don't know who he is and from most places that I have found most people don't know who he is and people are saying Scoot McNary, green socks, is he the Flash? What's the deal? And then people are going, "Well, who cares? Who's Scoot McNary?" And I mean, if I would have seen this guy, I just would have assumed he was um just an extra or or some kind of a background guy that was um, having a a crushed incident with his legs. And so they had to green screen them out so that when they have him under something that someone needs to lift off of him, he uh, can have his legs appear as if they're underneath whatever it is they want to put them under. But I wouldn't have necessarily thought that he was going to be some major character that Mm. that's some sort of big revelation that we haven't heard about yet. Yeah, again, uh, until I'd heard that he'd been cast for this film, I'd never heard of his name. You and I kept wondering if it was a spelling error, whether Scoot or Scott or, you know, like it was just, uh, it's a weird name, but um, not somebody that's 
you know, been on my radar before this film, so I don't know how big an actor he is or whether people who see him during Batman v Superman will go, oh, that's that guy that was in whatever he's been in before. So uh, it is an interesting um, position to be in with, uh, you know, having these green legs uh, for, as you say, CGI, whether it means he's an amputee, whether it means there's something going on there that we're not sure about. Um, it, it's just very uh, very interesting because it leads to a lot of speculation and he wasn't hiding them. We don't know if the pants were just pulled up, you know, because he was walking outside or whether it's a, a full green bodysuit underneath. We don't really know. We, all we knew that he had his legs rolled up and it was just uh, the greens that we could see from the from the knees down, really. Yeah, it's, it's, it is really interesting. And it, it brings up an interesting point that he didn't have them hidden. Um, all of these people kind of standing out. You know, you mentioned Henry with his robe wide open. You, you mentioned uh, Holly Hunter, who just looks like Holly Hunter, just standing there smoking, I mm. guess, on a break, which isn't that big a deal. But then you have this guy uh, who is apparently green screened in some manner and clearly from the calf down, at least for some reason. And they're not really they don't seem all that interested in making sure that we don't see that or mm. not causing this rampant speculation. Maybe maybe it's part of the marketing. Maybe it's part of a way to keep people interested. In other words, yeah, they wear these robes, but we already know what the Man of Steel uniform looks like. We haven't seen Bruce Wayne in the Batman suit. So though we've seen what it looks like, maybe they're going to keep that kind of hidden until they give us some actual footage because it's something new, whereas the Man of Steel uniform is pretty much the same. There have been the changes that we talked about last month, but it's not something that people go, oh, this is what Superman's going to look like. We kind of already know mm. what Superman. We haven't seen Wonder Woman in action in her uniform. These are things that they might be more interested in keeping hidden, mm -hmm. but I do find it interesting that what seems to be a major character issue, this guy having green legs, is not being hidden whoever this person is and whatever role he's playing even if it's just you know we speculated that bruce wayne saving the girl uh, is going to be a flashback during the uh, man of steel versus the kryptonians sequences and that could be very well the case with this guy as well i my speculation was that this was going to be a guy that uh, out of the people we've been hearing that there are some groups of people that blame superman for the things that happened yeah. The people that would blame him would be people who lost something in the war, people who uh, lost loved ones, were injured, or had people, uh, other people injured or maimed or lost their homes or were involved in some way. Obviously, people like the family that he saved in the train station aren't going to blame him because they're going to say if he wasn't here and didn't do what he did, we'd all be dead right now. Yeah. But then you have people that obviously in any kind of a war, especially one like that, there will have been people that died. Mm. I and you don't blame Superman for that. It was something he couldn't have controlled, but he was doing his best to stop it from getting worse. But there are a lot of people, fans, that may have their kind of feelings more understood in this next movie because it appears that, you know, based on what we've been hearing, they're um, going to have some questions, not necessarily you know, uh, aggrandizing Superman, but but saying to him, you know, what can we do maybe so that this doesn't happen again? And, 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 and why were they after you? And would they have been here if you weren't here? And that kind of thing. Mm. And, it, and, and you know, uh, some of the other photographs we're going to talk about, I guess, are these uh, Washington, D.C. vehicles that we see that, that something seems to be taking place. And I guess there's speculation that 
somebody's going to have to be at the Capitol building talking to the government. And uh, that could be, you know, the speculation being that Superman has to then explain what happened, which isn't necessarily a negative thing. It probably would go down that way and they would probably want to talk to him and they would probably want to see if there was some sort of a plan they could put into effect to maybe make sure it doesn't happen as badly again. Hence, Dawn of Justice and hence the idea that maybe they're going to build something bigger and better so that there can be people on the ground handling the small stuff while big things are going on above. And that makes complete sense to me, even though we don't know that that's exactly what it is. I mean, that's where I would go with that speculation anyway mm. yeah and we as you say we uh, we saw holly hunter we saw amy adams as well was on set um and was you know was there as well so most of the the major cast members are you know involved at the moment doing filming uh most of them in michigan uh, we've seen some behind the scenes photos of henry and some of the others um you know so taking some time out uh taking photos with fans at clubs or uh, restaurants or cafes wherever they might be um, all across the internet, people, especially on Twitter, are tweeting their photos with Henry that they've managed to catch up with him. So they seem to be well entrenched into the area and spending a bit of time there. Henry was uh, back home in Jersey, uh, the island of Jersey, doing some uh, fundraising and stuff like that. Uh, we'll get into that, talking about that soon. But uh, they all seem to be there in and around uh, the filming sets uh, in Michigan. Um, as I mentioned, we saw a sequence of Ben Affleck who uh, was also obviously in the area filming what appears, as you say, to be maybe a flashback sequence uh, that took place during Man of Steel uh, with uh, Bruce Wayne looking to save a little girl and some other kids uh, I heard about uh, that are actually were in filming there, you know, um, hand in hand, help, you know, moving away from a, some, you know, destruction zone and, uh, you know, being led to rescue and... Uh, but Bruce Wayne rescues this one particular little girl, and we we don't know if it is a flashback to what happened during Man of Steel. It seems to be set in Metropolis because there were police cars and taxis and things around the area that were, you know, uh, had the, the Metropolis logos and and um, and banners on them. But um, what what do you do you do you really think it could be a Man of Steel flashback? Well, I mean, it makes sense. I do I, I do think it could be sure, hmm. um, and I think. It seems like a lot of other people are speculating the same thing. And uh, when I saw it, I can't remember if I saw someone else mention it or if I kind of thought it myself. But it seems to be the way most people tend to be leaning when they when they see this. And maybe it's just hopeful or wishful thinking that they're really going to tie it in that closely. And uh, you know, maybe then uh, whatever these Washington scenes are that people are ruminating about. Maybe those are going to be then five years into the future or however many years later it's supposed to have been since Man of Steel. But uh, why, I, you know, based on what we've heard so far, which is very little, I can't imagine why there would be that kind of um, grand scale destruction that Again. Superman wouldn't be involved in helping people out of unless he was busy and there and there. For I think the speculation goes to well he must have been busy with the Zod thing, and that must be what it is, mm. and and it makes sense and and from Bruce Wayne's perspective I mean they're obviously going to go for an antagonistic relationship at least in the beginning, uh, based on everything they've been saying. I don't necessarily see him immediately saying look at this Superman what he's doing, um, being a hero himself and being in situations where sometimes innocent lives are in danger. 
you can't always control everything that goes on in the battle. So, and I know that Batman is this figure that likes to have everything planned out and likes to have everything controlled. But um, I, I would see him saying, well, I got to get these kids out of here because he's a hero, but not not necessarily immediately then saying, and now I'm going to go yell at Superman because mm. he's an idiot, you know. <laughs> so I'm not sure how that's going to go, but it certainly seems like, and it seems like what we're all speculating is that he's going to be against Superman because he was involved with these other Kryptonians and because he wasn't involved in the situation that came about mm. from it. Because it impacted directly on Bruce Wayne and, you know, Wayne Enterprises in Metropolis. And so he was directly, as you say, like those other people who may have been, may have lost somebody or been impacted directly uh, because of the fight with Zod. Um, they may then f- therefore blame Superman for that and, um, or, you know, point at, point the finger at him. And Bruce Wayne could be in that, uh, in that category. Yeah, all of this, again, speculation, and Mm -hmm. we're just guessing based on what we've seen. You know, don't take this anywhere other than what our opinion is, and if you agree or not. It's, you know, but um, what I'm, I I think, I think ultimately, and and it's going to happen because that's what they've set up, this antagonistic relationship. I think what I'm saying, too, is Bruce Wayne being this super intelligent guy and a hero, it seems out of character for him to suddenly jump to I want to be Superman's enemy because of this. Uh, whereas if, let's say, Scoot is a Metallo-type figure, which has also been speculated and his legs have been cut off in the battle, he may not be as stable, he may not be as logical, and he may have a character like Lex Luthor come to him and say, I know you blame Superman. Don't you want to make sure this doesn't happen again? I can help you. Let me bring you in. I can fix your legs. I can fix your body. I can make you better. Not to say that that's what it is either, but but you could have two dichotomic uh, dichotomy of characters where you have Bruce Wayne being the logical thinking one who says, "Wait a minute, uh, I'm sure this guy didn't intend for this to happen, but I'll I'll check it out and make sure." And then you can have this other guy who says, "Superman did this to me; it's his fault. Now I'm going to kill him." Not saying again that that's happening, but it seems like Bruce Wayne would be would be more logical than to suddenly get red-faced and say, now I need to fight this super-powered Kryptonian because he clearly wanted to kill these orphans. It just doesn't, <laughs> see, doesn't seem like that's immediately where your mind would go. No, exactly. And uh, we also saw some car chases being filmed in and around that same location. There was some speculation that the Batmobile would be there, but uh, none of the photos... Um, showed that there was some other cars involved and a black car but not a uh, you know nothing out of the ordinary so um all it's all happening there a lot of uh streets closed off and you know a lot of action taking place explosions cars being crushed and and broken and whatever so you know there is a lot of speculation as to what that might mean or when it's actually set in the past a flashback something that happens in the current movie we'll have to wait and see but uh we've got a very interesting confirmation i guess because we had the already the idea about batman's age but it was confirmed that he will indeed be in his mid-40s in this uh new movie yeah i mean it's interesting because and i i think i might have mentioned this before uh, and and other fans will if they haven't already and probably are rampantly all over the internet talking about these guys are supposed to be contemporaries they're supposed to be friends who sometimes meet under antagonistic circumstances but eventually realize they're on the same side and they obviously see things differently but they know they're working for the same thing and usually they're almost you know, not exactly the same age, but they really are right around the same age. 
and generally depicted as starting their careers right around the same time. Um, the idea that Batman's already in his mid-40s tells us, and we've also read, that he kind of gave up crime fighting, but he was doing it before, and he's out of that now. And a lot of this filming that we're seeing is talking about and showing Bruce Wayne, Bruce Wayne being heroic, but not necessarily donning the cowl and cape. Now, again, it's very early, so that may mean nothing, or it may mean everything. What I find interesting is that because it is all Bruce Wayne stuff, maybe it's going to take a while for him to realize that he does, uh, he is needed in, in the cape and cowl, and maybe we are going to see more of the businessman side of Bruce Wayne, the planning side of Bruce Wayne, the waiting around and, and making sure things are in place side of Bruce Wayne before he you know, takes to the rooftops or, or whatever. But, but again, hard to say at this point. Yeah, and considering that in Man of Steel, uh, Superman was 33 years of age, and if this is set a little bit down the track, even if it's a year or two, then Superman's in his mid-30s. So for Batman to be a little bit older than Superman, he's got to be at least in his early to mid-40s. Yeah, well, yeah. I, but that then that then takes him to about 10 years older than mm. Superman. And, and based on what they've been saying, he was already um, a Batman. No yeah. one knows him. No one has seen him. Or there are rumors that he had once been around and he's this urban legend type thing, which is what Batman was initially. So that's OK. But that does mean that he was in operation before Superman came to be and and that now he's out of operation and much older than Superman. So it's a different a very different relationship to the one that most fans are used to between Batman and Superman, where they're on the same team. And they're the same age, and uh, they, you know, they come up with things like the Justice League together, and they lead the Justice League together, each having different types of roles. And we may still see some of that, but it's definitely, it definitely seems like they're going for more a mentor or teaching type Batman f- toward Superman being this much older than him. Yeah, and all, well, I mean, you and I have always had the complaint that you know, in a Justice League made up of superheroes that Batman's role in in a team like that, you know, someone like Wonder Woman, Batman, sorry, Wonder Woman, Superman, The Flash, you know, Green Lantern, these people with amazing abilities and superpowers, that Batman really doesn't fit in in that capacity, like fighting someone like, um, you know, Darkseid or Mongol or anything like that. He doesn't really have any kind of um, power to, to impact on a fight like that. So having an older Batman who may be someone behind the scenes who is an organiser, who is, you know, the uh, the, the technician, uh, not technician, the... Um, what's, what's tactician. The tactician. Then that might fit more with an older Batman because he's not in his prime, you know, fighting, um, you know, with his, you know, uh, karate or, you know, martial arts or whatever that he that he knows. Uh, he's more of the, the tactician and, you know, the organiser of the team and, you know, uh, back at the Batcave organising where they're going or at the Justice League Tower or whatever they might be, organising the team and sending them, you know, doing all the behind-the-scenes stuff. I think that kind of makes sense a bit more in this realistic type of film uh, universe that they're trying to set up. Well, I love that idea, and I, I, I obviously would hope that they would go that way, but then that flies in the face of this Zack Snyder telling us that they will have physical altercations and, and we're going to see that they truly are equal and that they can truly handle each other and that neither hero comes out on top and that kind of thing. Mm. So if he's, you know, if he's in that downgraded status of not 
a caped crusader anymore, but a guy who plans and a guy who strategizes and a guy who sends the team to other places. Not that he can't get his hands dirty with the small small crimes on the street like he's supposed to. Um, that kind of then contradicts him waiting on the rooftop for the Man of Steel to come so he can give him the beatdown. Mm. Well, it'll be, like I said, interesting to see how it plays out. But as you mentioned, there were um, some scenes set in Washington, D.C. We've seen some of the cars and taxis and, and, and uh, buses and things like that with the Washington, D.C. Uh, logos. Uh, so we know that there is some kind of a sequence that will take the characters or be set in Washington, D.C. There is speculation about Superman being called to the government to, you know, to, to the capital to, um, to explain himself or to, you know, whatever it might be. Uh, we don't know if that will be the case. Uh, we've also seen that they've got film permits to, to go film in Morocco. Um, so, you know, and, that, and people are speculating that might be for Themyscira, that might be some kind of, you know, Mediterranean type uh, setting for the Wonder Woman elements of, of uh, her origins, but we don't know. It may just take the characters to, uh, you know, somewhere outside of the US. Uh, it will be interesting to see where these locations end up falling in the movie. I would love to see Superman addressing you know the united states government at the capitol building and just talk about what happened and in a way where they respect him and they know he saved the world and then there will be some people who are detractors but in a, in a different way than most people are speculating that he's going to have to run in there and defend himself and that there's you know uh, he's got some explaining to do kind of thing more like he goes he of his own volition or because he's working with them to come up with something or not you know working for them like Superman in in the Dark Knight uh, Returns book, which a lot of people are then saying, because we clearly saw that he wasn't willing to be subservient to them, and that he shouldn't have to be, but but working with them kind of cooperatively to say, you know let's let's get this let this let's get this out in the open. Let's let people know that I'm here. Let's let people know what happened. Let's talk about it, and let's let's make sure it doesn't happen this way again. We were surprised before, but. Let's not be surprised again. I mean, hopefully all of that planning and all of that idea stuff doesn't all go to Batman, you know. Mm. Um, I'd like to see some of that happening. You know, the scene in Superman versus the Elite where he's talking to the to the people, I guess the United Nations, is, is a really great scene. The idea that, you know, he'd, he'd be able to and he'd be willing to and the governments would be willing to let him stand there at the podium and address them as if he were accepted and, and one of them. Yeah, and uh, so it's it's a very interesting to see where that might go. As I mentioned, the Morocco filming uh, will take place from September until December, so they're they're all the permits for that long. So um, it's uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, when they get over there, and if they if we get any kind of sneaks photos out of that area, because a lot of the what we've been seeing uh, from US fans who are aware of the film, um, you know, we don't know whether people in the in Morocco will be aware that it's a Batman Superman film that they're seeing you know streets or places shut down for so uh it'll be uh cool to see some of the stuff come out of there um but uh we wait and see uh there's also some the river rouge uh in in michigan there's um some other places the um nicholson uh i think it's a um nicholson detroit nicholson's terminal and dock company uh also some uh some crews and things have been spotted uh taking uh setting up over there uh, we've got uh the detroit river adjacent to the detroit river um the industrial city of river rouge 
um, in Michigan uh, also being a location that they're uh, going to start filming. So a lot happening. It's uh, it's a prime time for them just to to get in and during the summer months of uh, of the US weather. So uh, looking forward to to really seeing how this all plays out. Yeah, it's very very exciting. Very interesting. Okay, now the the other thing that uh, we saw, we heard from, was Harry Lennox, another cast member who we haven't seen filming. Like we've seen, as I said, Ben Affleck, uh, Amy Adams, uh, Henry Cavill. We've seen all the others during, you know, doing their their stuff there on location. But uh, Harry Lennox was uh, interviewed um, and uh, asked about his Comic Con presentation that he partook in. Uh, in 2013, that uh, he had made the announcement about the Batman Superman film, and Screenweek TV asked him uh, this month about uh, that and his involvement, how he got involved in Man of Steel. He, he shared an interesting story about being part of the process of uh, casting Henry Cavill. I, I imagine that he would have been there as a during the auditions. You know how they usually play an actor against another cast member. Uh, with uh, Superman the movie, they played uh, all the different Lois Lanes up against Christopher Reeve to to see how the chemistry was between them. I imagine that uh, Harry Lennox as General Swanwick may have been part of that process during auditioning for uh, Man of Steel. Yeah, I could see the scene that they would use would be the one where he's floating above the um, the military there where he tells them not to play games with him, that he just wants Lois Lane to be freed. Uh trying to get the idea of where these two powerful personalities, these two um, kind of um, authoritative personalities come together and, and to make sure that whoever the Superman was going to be could hold his own and be imposing in that type of a situation. I, I can imagine that almost perfectly. It's a, It was a very interesting story to hear and and to know that they looked upon him with, with kind of such respect that that he was the one that was going to be the measuring tape of of who he would read against as superman that's that's a very uh that's a great honor i think yeah definitely so a uh, very cool interview with harry lennox and it'll be interesting to see how much of a role he plays in batman v superman dawn of justice uh, i mentioned a little bit earlier that um henry cavill hadn't been around because he had been filming uh, oh sorry had been back in jersey uh, his home uh where he was Helping do some fundraising, some uh, he was with the Durrell Wildlife Park, and he's done a, a video there, and he's supporting their um, their fundraising campaigns. He's also going to do the Gibraltar Rock Run um, as part of uh, his um, his involvement with the uh, well, his, his family or his brothers are involved in the uh, the Royal Marines, so he's going to be taking part of the Royal Marines Char- Charitable Trust Fund. Uh, to participate in the Gibraltar Rock Run in October. And uh, as I said, he was in uh, back home for the Durrell uh, Wildlife Park where he's uh, raising awareness for their um, uh, conservation um, project. And you can help raise funds for that worthy organisation by going to cavillconservation.com. And I just think it's really cool that this guy who is portraying the role of Superman, is getting involved in so many of these great fundraising and conservation campaigns. Yeah, it's always nice to see our Superman, our, our people who play our heroes on TV, do humanly heroic things in real life. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. He's really, you know, living up to the role. I mean, you know, th- these actors who portray, you know, they're just roles in movies, you know, and 
Um, they're not always, you know, ha um, you know, going to live up to the roles they're playing. They're, they're, it's just a character that they play. It's not really who they are. But it's, you know, when you get someone who's playing a character like Superman, who is such an iconic role, it's such you know, a, a motivational, inspirational type of figure, then it's always so cool and, and I think so important that you get an actor who embodies some of that um, because he's going to be synonymous with the character for so many years, for so long, that, you know, if there was a, an actor who was portraying the role who, you know, was a, you know, a womanizer or a boozer or a drug addict or something along those lines, it would really tarnish the character and make uh, any future movies that he starred in as the character less believable because you just go, oh, I can't picture this guy. I know what kind of a rat bag he is. Uh, behind the scenes. <laughs> a rat bag. Uh, well, it's interesting, you know, not to say someone is or isn't a rat bag, but uh, we, we've had a situation in our Superman past where uh, there was an actor uh, not doing the types of things you might be speaking of, but who uh, I guess uh, rumors were that he was in some sort of a bar fight or that he was drunk out at a bar and he was playing Superboy on the TV show and then was uh, replaced for the second season and the rest of the run because... Warner Brothers felt that the behavior that he was exhibiting in his private life did not behoove that of the character that he was supposed to be embodying on this family show that they had on. So uh, not only not only is it nice as fans and, and not only is it good to know that someone playing such an inspiring character can do inspiring things in real life as well, but it's also professionally uh, hurtful to a character who to an actor who might be playing a character that's that important to a company to go out then and, and do things of the opposite nature even though you would be you should be able to think in a lot of circumstances well what I do in my private time shouldn't necessarily affect the type of work I get but uh, much like certain athletes and certain things that you know, people in the professional leagues aren't allowed to do or must say or must be a part of or have to wear suits at press conferences or whatever their rules are doing things outside what the company you work for might consider uh, good for their image is also going to hurt you in this situation as well. And not to say that anyone's going to do that, but we do know that it has happened in the past. Yeah, I'm not sure if that that rumor about um, John Haynes Newton and, and what happened there is, is necessarily um, that true. I mean, I've heard a lot of different stories about why he was axed from the, from the Superboy role, but... Um, uh, yeah, I have to go back. I think we interviewed him a year or a year and a half ago about uh, his role and what happened there. I'd have to go back to that interview to check it out. But um, obviously he's got his side of the story and there are other sides of the stories. But, um, yeah, but you're right. You know, it, it, it can uh, definitely, um, you know, change what happens with, with a role, with a TV show um, and, you know, tarnish, you know, what uh, may, you know, the fans might think of the character or the particular TV series or movies that he's in, that, you know, are uh, uh, being made. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's very interesting. I know, I mean, George Reeves definitely uh, had, you know, an alter, you know, a, a different life than what uh, was being portrayed on TV. You know, his, his uh, life and his life story now are well known, but I imagine that it would have been uh, a bit of an eye-opener for his young fans at the time if they'd known that, you know, he was in a relationship with a married woman, that he was a big drinker, you know, uh, all these kinds of things that, uh, you know, people knew um, 
uh, you know, didn't know that was happening behind the scenes uh, in Hollywood land, you know, when he was smoking and that, uh, as George Reeves and the kids are looking at him through the window, you know, his manager, whoever it was, telling him to butt out the, the cigarette because Superman doesn't smoke, that kind of thing. So um, a very important role. And as you say, sports stars, you know, they're the same thing. They've, you know, they're, they're supposed to be role models, but many, many a time do not live up to, to that expectation. And uh, it's great to see that Henry Cavill is living up to those expectations uh, as Superman. And just to preface what I was saying before, you're right. Uh, we don't know the exact circumstances to these situations, and I'm not trying to say that anything was or wasn't, just that there are rumors. Yeah, and just exactly. that, you know, knowing that that kind of negative rumor has somehow carried, you know, 30 years later or whatever is 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 a huge huge deal and uh it's it, uh, unfortunate whatever the situation was and and uh you know if we can clear that up i'm not saying i just no, want to no. make it clear yeah. that i'm not <laughs> saying <laughs> i know that or that it did happen just that i've definitely heard that and i was definitely under the impression that that was the story so um but well, very important what yeah. you do outside when you're playing these types of characters well i remember still hearing rumors even now about George Reeves having jumped to his death because he believed right. he was Superman. People, go, no, that's you know. But like, right. as you say, these rumors or these stories, you know, circulate, and people still believe them so many years later. Um, and it's hard to to change those um, perceptions. But um, yeah, but it uh, it's great to see, as I said, that Henry Cavill is living up to the character that uh, we know and love, and uh, seems to be the kind of person that we'd love to be seeing playing the role, uh, not just on screen, but also off screen. So well done to him, and congratulations on his efforts uh, in those different fundraising campaigns, bringing awareness to you know to different aspects of, uh, of life uh, outside his movie career. A great job. All right. Uh... Only other movie topic that I think we need to talk about, and you kind of uh, were a bit down on the first trailer that was released for The Death of Superman Lives, What Happened, the documentary by John Schnepp about the never-made Superman Lives film um, and that would have starred Nicolas Cage. He uh, released a second trailer, having reached a goal in his, uh, fun, uh, in his, his fan fundraising campaign, and um, what did you make of this second trailer that he released? Well, as I said last month, seeing the trailer, seeing that it didn't seem particularly professionally put together, doesn't necessarily mean that I wasn't interested in seeing the film. It did present a lot of interesting ideas. I liked a lot of the artwork they were showing, a lot of the concept stuff they were coming up with. I just thought that the the trailer itself kind of reminded me of maybe some of those old movie trailers that you can watch on some of the uh, special features of like an old movie you might buy. And, and back then where it was just really kind of tedious and kind of plodding and kind of just not very exciting. Whereas nowadays they, they tend to put a lot of action scene and sometimes they put dialogue that doesn't even fit with the action scene they're showing just because it seems to be more dramatic that way and that kind of thing. But this second trailer I thought was – was handled much better. I, I liked. I, I, it seemed a lot more exciting. Seemed a lot more up tempo. Um, I don't know exactly what I'm trying to explain, but I definitely uh, found the second trailer to be much better to watch. And I think at this point, when I first watched it, I was. I don't want to say annoyed, although in a lot of ways I do get annoyed with Kickstarter projects. Um, this is a guy who's not a superstar, who's not a celebrity, he doesn't necessarily have a lot of money, so it's not exactly the same thing as when I see the guy from Scrubs going out there and trying to get his fans to pay for a movie he wants to make when he already has millions of dollars. Not that he's super rich either, but 
he's got a name. He's a writer. People respect him. <clears throat> Maybe he can't get the movie made at other studios or whatever. Whatever his story is, everybody has their story. And I'm not on the inside, so I don't know. But generally, Kickstarter projects like that from actors that should be able to get the projects done without trying to carry have their fans carry them on their back because it's almost like taking advantage mm. um and in this case the same similar thing but taking advantage of people who really don't mind because they want to see it same thing with the guy from scrubs they want to see him do this movie so he knows that he can kind of go out there and solicit them for their money and in this situation it's it's kind of a project that people like you and I and other fans really want to see. So we don't mind necessarily going and giving five, ten, twenty dollars. Um, but then at the end of the trailer, when he comes on and talks and says, "Oh, this is, you know, the movie's still not done. We still don't know if it's getting made." I was under the impression when I watched the first trailer that this was a done deal and that I was going to get to see this movie. Not that I contributed to it, but. Now we're seeing trailers and still being told that he still doesn't have enough money to complete the movie. So I'm not sure exactly what's happening. But then I saw someone commented that he did reach another goal, but that we could still donate if we wanted to. Uh, so I'm a little confused, but I am interested in seeing the documentary. Yeah, I think what he's aiming for is to be able to remake some of the scenes from the script and actually have them animated and you know computer graphics and things, which would be a stretch goal, I guess. But um, it's uh, great to see that it's coming along. Some of the footage in the uh, second trailer looks really good. Some of the interviews and the people he's been able to interview are really uh, interesting. So we'll wait and see uh, how that continues and how it pans out for this uh, documentary called The Death of Superman Lives, What Happened. Uh, we look forward to, to seeing where that goes and when it will finally be released. Uh, all right, let's move into some TV news now. There's not much out there, but I heard this. It's a, I guess it's a, from Warner Brothers about the Teen Titans Go, which is uh, an animated series that uh, is a bit more tongue-in-cheek, a bit more you know kitty-related. Um, but that Young Justice, the, to- the animated show that you and I love, that went for two seasons, then it was axed because Cartoon Network didn't renew it. Um, Teen, the, the Young Justice characters are going to appear in a Teen Titans Go episode uh, where it sounds like they're directly addressing the considerable difference in tone between the two series. <laughs> well, I didn't read that report, though I did see that it's on our list here to talk about. Um, uh, it's kind of left me speechless. <laughs> That's a first. Yeah, kind of. Um, yeah, as I gather myself, uh, because it's a tongue-in-cheek show, and I've seen um, uh, a scene of it here or there when it comes on after something that my kids were watching, uh, it does seem kind of funny and kind of cute. It's not really a show that I, that I picture myself spending a lot of time investing in like mm-hmm. you did with Young Justice mm-hmm. that had these intricate storylines and such. But it may be kind of funny and kind of cute to see them come together. And, and of course... To see the look that the Young Justice team has uh, in this animated style—that's that's, that's kind of more—it's almost like uh, Japanese animation in a way, but then it's not because it's kind of over the top, goofy. And um, I guess I assume that they're going to animate the Young Justice characters the same way. Yeah, and the, the log line for the episode, uh, which we don't have a title for yet, and we don't know when it will be on. It says, uh, after being scolded by the superhero team from Young Justice for their silliness and hijinks, the Titans decide to go to get more serious about superheroing. Oh, 
Interesting. Very interesting. So we'll keep you updated as to when that will be, when it will go on TV, when you can see it. Um, I'm sure Cartoon Network and Warner Brothers Animation will keep us uh, appraised of, uh, of this very interesting turn of events uh, with the Young Justice crew from that I'm great sure animated show coming I'm on sure the Teen Titans Go. They'll, they'll call me directly, I'm, I'm oh, certain. Oh, sure. Um, if they're not getting your input for, you know, how are they going to make it, I would be very surprised. Uh, me too. Me too. <laughs> now, uh, the uh, other TV news that we've got, uh, there was a dedicated, a plaque dedicated to the 100th birthday of George Reeves, as well as the 100th birthdays of Superman's co-creators, Jerry Siegel and Joe Shuster, uh, who would have all celebrated their 100th birthdays in 2014. Uh, it took place in Tizana, California uh, on Saturday, August 16th. Uh, a plaque was dedicated there. Um, Jack Larson was there, as was Jerry Siegel's daughter. Uh, and there are other celebrities and, and people there. Uh, it was chosen, that particular place was chosen because it was uh, where they filmed one of the episodes of um, the uh, Adventures of Superman TV show. Um, Jack O'Halloran was also there, um, and um, it uh, it was just great to see that all these people were able to to go out there and uh, be part of this uh, commemoration uh, on uh, in on Saturday, August sixteenth. Yeah, it's always nice to see something Superman related get kind of get its due and get honored. And you know, the show was pretty successful, and I like it. I have all the seasons, and uh, I love. I love George Reeves' portrayal of Superman, and uh, I love a lot about that show. And so it's it's nice to see that other people, not just people who were involved with the show, but I guess other other celebrities and and other people from that area were 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 around to see it. It's it's nice. Yeah, no. So that was uh, great, and uh, congratulations to um, the guys who who organized it. Uh, Jim Nolt uh, from uh, the Adventures Continues um, website and um, Amand, I'm, I'm going to pronounce his, his surname incorrectly, but um, was also very instrumental in getting that uh, done. And um, congratulations to those guys for, for getting that. And the, the plaque looks fantastic, so well done. And uh, that'll be uh, great for everybody to be able to go visit there and take their photos and what have you at that particular plaque. So well done to those people. Now, it does say on this report, uh, I was trying to get to it on the site here, but it's a kind of a sticking point of mine. Uh, I, I probably tend to be one of those annoying people who always correct people on Facebook when they use uh, there and there and there, T-H-E-R-E and T-H-E-I-R and T-H-Y apostrophe R-E. Uh, but for years and years and years and years and years, so many fans, so many people, so many non-insiders who aren't necessarily fans but know that two guys named Reeve played the character of Superman have either said Reeves or Reeves or Reeve apostrophe S or somehow mistitled the person's name over and over and over again. I get people saying Christopher Reeves was so great. And like you're in that conversation with them and they're and they're impassioned about how great he was and you feel like an idiot. You feel like a jerk going it's Christopher Reeve. And then you know that he's thinking, what a jerk, you know. But in your mind, you're going, oh, and it hurts me. It's like a pin in my brain. And and in this case, this was a written article about this thing that took place. And I don't know how many misappropriations of the names happened during the ceremony. But in this article, they used 
uh, Reeve apostrophe S when speaking about George Reeves, which would be Reeves apostrophe, they were saying something like uh, they, the, the, the ceremony also took uh, visitors to some of Reeves' childhood haunts or some of the places where he was his home. I don't remember exactly the wording, but it says, uh, in other words, uh, the, the owner. Reeves, yeah, yeah, you're right. The ownership of Reeves' boyhood home would then be, if his name was Reeve, that would be correct. But since it's not Reeve, and I'm going on, I'm, I'm babbling <laughs> for far too long about this, but you, you get my meaning. I get and, your and point. It's, it's, I, hate, I, just, I hate to see that, and it just seems so simple, especially in, when you're trying to be professional and you're trying yeah. to write an article. Not to say that editing doesn't sometimes get, get missed, but uh, it just seems like something we should be over by now. Yeah, we should know how to spell the names. It and, was you know. uh, a, an article by the San Gabriel Valley Tribune, so uh, the editor there needs to get his acting order. Whoever wrote it probably isn't a fan and doesn't necessarily no, know that no, that's difference. his name, but yeah. you got to do you probably due diligence. Do research and, and make sure before you. And I'm sure I've made plenty of mistakes in my uh, in my Great Scott segments, and a lot of times I, I do little little caption jokes after the fact because I know that I uh, made that mistake. But uh, uh, you know, it's all just good. To, you know. Now uh, let's move into our comic book talk. Um, I see that Supergirl is going to be getting a fresh start in October. Uh, she has um, been a character that has had a lot of issues, a lot of animosity towards, you know, just gone on different different tangents, um, you know, with the Red Lantern thing and, you know, not being, you know, close to her cousin. And uh, it, it's, it was, it's all been, you know, here all over the place. But Tony Bedard, the writer of... Supergirl has plans to give Kara a fresh start in October. She's looking to build a new life for herself, become a more confident and motivated superhero, and uh, it's it's all sounding very promising. Yeah, we're going to talk about Supergirl 34 as we uh, move into our comics discussion further. But uh, you know, at the end of that story, you do see her come back to Earth and and say, you know, now I can maybe finally accept who I am and where I'm at and and try to to have an actual life here on Earth. And I think that that's maybe where we're going with this quote-unquote new uh, fresh start. Um, You know, it's been three years of... Uh, I'm I'm annoyed. I'm angry. I want to punch everyone. I'm 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 uh, f- filled with angst and anger. And of course, she is a teenager. And even if she wasn't a Kryptonian who didn't understand Earth culture, you would see a lot of angst and a lot of walking out on her mother and shutting, slamming the door and. <laughs> calling people names and, and having tantrums, that's just par for the course with teenagers, I guess. And and when you're a super teenager, I guess uh, things can be much worse, as in punching your super-powered cousin and having him fly across the state. But um, uh, I feel like we've had fresh starts for all these characters three years ago, and, and yet for many of them, we're always fresh starting. Like mm. we just fresh started Superman with, with Superman 32 or 33 or whatever it was with the new team. And we're finally going to see Superman start acting like Superman. And we're going to get to see stories about Superman and you're going to be pleased. And same thing here with Supergirl. And I can't really fault them because for the most part, most fans that I hear talking about it have not been pleased with Superman's direction, have not been pleased with his attitude. And the same goes for for Supergirl, and of course, we have Superboy canceled um, with the final issue 34 that we're also going to talk about because that book couldn't really seem to find any direction and didn't really know where it was going either. So, 
I don't know if it's the whole of the new 52. Um, other books have been canceled that I'm not aware of because I only follow the super books for the most part. But uh, we had a fresh start. It was supposed to be a, an ongoing thing. And now people aren't happy. Uh, the teams aren't good. They don't stick around or the stories are too confusing. So they fresh start again. Or are they just talking about with Supergirl, the character fresh start that I think we're being introduced to at the end of the uh, latest book. Mm. So uh, we will talk about Supergirl number 34 a little bit uh, down the track as we get further into our comic book discussions. Due to a recording problem, our discussion over Action Comics Annual number 3 is missing the beginning of that discussion. So we catch you back up with Scotty responding to my comment that it's great to see so many of the other heroes across the DC Universe getting involved in a story that obviously involves the whole of the Earth. So we pick you up at that spot and apologise for this recording error. The Earth, and she's got the red land, red ring and all that, so it kind of makes sense that she's out of it. But when you read other stories where the world is being taken over, and we've talked about this before, you know, these stories could take place anywhere in, in time so they don't necessarily all have to be going on at the same time but it's at least nice to see that uh, they did think it was large enough that other people would at least have an interest in it mm. then uh we go on to uh with action comics annual number three i don't know if you noticed and this also happens with action with uh, superman one woman annual number one we uh have a, a missed uh, a mix-up between the, the chapter um, titles on the cover it says Super Doom Chapter Four, but then in the actual title page it's Last Sun Chapter Four, and uh, something happens along the same lines with um, the Superman Wonder Woman book, which I'm trying to open up right now, and that is uh, also I think a problem where they've got the wrong or they've got the double titles. Uh, here it is, Annual Number One, and with Inside, it's got Last Sun Chapter 3, but then on the cover, I think it's also Super Doomed uh, Chapter 3. So they're kind of mixing up which part, which could be a bit confusing for some readers who aren't sure where things are at uh, with the, the books or what chapter is what, because it is one of those, while it is a Superman Doomed story arc and, and overarching thing, they've broken them up into different chapters, and so that could be confusing if on the front cover it says Super Doomed Chapter 3, where the actual story title is Last Sun Chapter 3. And this, I guess, happens at the same time, although they've put it as a Chapter 3 rather than Chapter 4, which was Action Comics Annual Number 3. Uh, it happens at the same time as that story, and we see the Wonder Woman side of things uh, from this particular story. Yeah, I, I think I remember you mentioning this last month that it happened with some of the books too, and I'm not exactly sure. We talk about editing things and, and planning stages and, and writers being at the table planning out the year, and I'm not exactly sure how this kind of thing keeps happening, but it, it, I, I seem to remember it happened last month too where they have the wrong titles on the books, and I myself was confused trying to find where I left off and where I had to start again. And I mean, a month goes by, you do a lot of things in your life, you read other things, you watch other movies and things, and you're trying to pick up a story that seems like it's been going on forever. Uh, and and uh, then they have it all confusing with different titles. So uh, it's just very odd to me that they're not able to even keep track of their own thing. But as far as the Superman Wonder Woman annual, uh, again, we start with Lois's article, and here 
it really makes no sense. And I realize she's in the Brainiac voice, so she's trying to disparage Superman. But you would think Brainiac with a 12th level intelligence, whatever that means, would be able to understand that what he's saying is illogical and makes no sense. You know, in the article, Lois says that it's clear now that Doomsday was trying to protect us from what Superman would eventually become. But then you remember that Doomsday was destroying entire islands and burning people alive. So you go, well, how is burning islands and killing thousands of people protecting us from what Superman might eventually become? So it's just an absurd statement. And for a super intelligent being that's trying to convince us that Superman is the enemy to say that, just seems um, unintelligent, which is kind of the opposite of what he's supposed to be. Um, and I, I found it interesting that Steel here doesn't seem to care uh, about having a secret identity. I, I guess he's on a secure Justice League channel, but he says his name and then he says it's Steel. So if he's on a secure channel and he's talking only to the Justice League, don't they know who he is? You know, oh, this is John Henry Irons. Oh, Steel, just in case you weren't sure. And if anybody's listening, they all know that John Henry Irons is Steel, but I seem to remember somewhere that that was common knowledge anyway. But it always seems odd to me when a human superhero who can easily be hurt and has human family and human friends and human relations in his life would be that open about who he is when he's going to have enemies and he's going to have people that can hurt his friends and family. Only thing uh, I can think weird. is maybe that not all of them know who he is. Um, maybe he has to introduce himself. Um, but um, what what do you make of his relationship with Lana? Do you think there's anything going on there? Well, it, it certainly did seem to me that that's where they were going with it. Um, I think it's going to develop over time, but it seemed very quickly to get to, to, to be almost romantic right away. Um, they didn't mention it. They didn't, you know, they didn't kiss or anything like that, but, uh, he's about to say something to her. I'll tell you when I get back. And then when he is injured and, and he's in the, uh, in the watchtower or, or wherever they are, um, he, she's right by his bedside kind of, uh, with her hands, uh, holding his hand and then kind of with her head bowed a little bit when they're having that conversation. So it's almost like a wife at the bed of her husband who is suffering from some sort of an, uh, uh, you know, injury or, or whatever. So it does certainly seem to imply that that's what they're going for. Um, what, what also, you know, I, it seems like they contradict themselves a lot. You know, on one page, Wonder Woman says, Wonder Woman argues with Batman saying you're not giving Superman enough credit. You're being the same as you always are. You have faith. He's stronger than you think. And then on the very next page, she says, Batman, I don't think we have any time. You better hurry up with your idea because Superman's not as strong as you think. Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> I guess she just a... got done saying, you know, yeah. I think that's a problem people, a lot of people have with the Superman-Wonder Woman relationship. And I'm, the, I'm a fan of the Superman-Wonder Woman comic book. I, I've, I've enjoyed it. I know that the reviewers on the, the Superman homepage and a lot of the fans reading the book aren't happy with the relationship. They feel that the Wonder Woman side of things, you know, this whole holding back with the I love you, and yet she seems to believe so much in Clark. But there seems to be so many, I don't know, just, um, as you say, you know, things that are said and then unsaid or, you know, there's a lot of paradoxes about what their, um, you know, their relationship is, and and just 
how different they are, even though they're similar because they're both superheroes and they're both, you know, uh, outsiders in a way and all that kind of stuff. There are so many differences in the way that they see the world that is ultimately, I think, going to be the, the problem of their relationship. But uh, there is, you know, I think she believes in him more than she loves him. And I think that's probably a, a problem with this relationship and, and a problem with the, the, the way Wonder Woman's perceived in this relationship. Yeah, I mean, that that may be true. I mean, I certainly didn't take it as a character mistake as much as I took it as a writing as, an, as an interesting writing choice. Mm. Uh, but I do love Batman's attitude. Uh, you know, a lot of times you get that attitude where he I, he knows he's better than everybody and he doesn't want to work with anyone and he doesn't care. But lately, I mentioned this in the Justice League arcs, too. I find that he also believes in Superman and he also knows the world needs him. I like when he says things like, I don't think we can survive without him. Uh, because that that goes to what we always say, and, and that is that that yeah, Batman's great and all on his own level and what he's doing, but he knows when it comes to big situations like this, Superman is very vital to the survival of the world. Of everyone, uh, yeah. I also I thought it was funny that Green Lantern and Hawkman, as I mentioned before, weren't able to fight the uh, the drones. They were getting knocked down, and Hawkman's almost unconscious. But then, in another scene, they show Green Arrow like five feet from one of the uh one of the creatures that Hawkman couldn't take down and he's got an arrow pointed at it and then and then one a couple panels later I see Robin and I'm I'm basically laughing out loud. Robin's out on the ground. It just makes no sense at all. And it's almost like what I say they do with Superman a lot and what I'm wondering if they're going to do with the new movie if 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 Hawkman and Green Lantern are taken out by the same drone that Robin is hand to hand fist fighting what does that say about Green Lantern and Hawkman? <laughs> it just it's it's baffling to me yeah. what uh, what what they get away with uh, with some of these characters. Yeah, now uh we move into Action Comics number 34 which uh the cover calls Last Sun Chapter 1 and that's what's in the title page so that seems to be uh okay there no dramas there. Again we have a um an article by Lois Lane as the the front page called Panic in the Sky, which is a nice throwback to a uh, a previous uh, classic story, and uh, you know the assimilation of Brainiac, you know, taking the minds and the and you know putting people in the comas has um, you know taken over you know Red Hood and and some of his crew as well. So it seems to be expanding and causing a greater problem across the DC universe. Aquaman's taken in. Um, you know, it, it's it's just it's it's all over the place. Oh, no, they were they were able to take Aquaman and super powerful Red Hood. Oh <laughs> no! Imagine that Red Hood could be taken by someone as lame as world conquering invasion force powered by Brainiac. <laughs> what, what did you make of the um, the uh, the scene in the in the fortress where Superman's back to his normal self and? Uh, Lois is there, and then Wonder Woman comes in, and they share a, a, a big kiss and Lois, a look on Lois's face. Well, it was definitely what they were going for there. Uh, they were trying to... I don't know if they're trying to hurt the fans who cry all the time that... that or just you know, show Lois that Lois has more feelings. Are, uh, yeah, it's weird. It's almost like a slap in the face to the people who want the Lois and Clark relationship, while at the same time... 
It doesn't really match up from a story point because Lois and Clark have never shown those types of feeling toward each other other than the one time at the very beginning of the New 52 where Clark went to her door. It seemed almost like he was going to ask her out or he was going to propose romance to her in one way or another. And then he saw half-naked Jonathan in there. And so that went away. But since then, there really hasn't been any mention of either character being interested in the other. But uh, but then they, they throw a scene in here like this almost to wrench our hearts for what it could have been or what used to be or what we really want there to be or what fans of Lois and Clark want there to be. Uh, but uh, there it was. And um, it's certainly there. And, and maybe, you know, some of the lines Lois gives in this where he comes through for her and, and, and a couple of times I, I almost thought she was going to say that she loved him or something like that. It did seem like it was coming from there. So. Maybe this particular experience and this, you know, storyline has gotten her to realize something that she didn't realize before, although we would hope that she's going to have her memory wiped and she's not going to know um, that, that Clark is Superman, in which case, because here again, we have another situation where if that is what's happening, it's the Superman side and not the fact that she fell in love with Clark because Clark was a great guy. She's falling in love with the guy who was able to save the world and saved her from Brainiac's control, and which is kind of easy to do and not necessarily authentic when you when you fall in love with your savior. So, you know. Mm. And there's like a big ultimate kind of conclusion in this, or not conclusion, but battle with, the, with Brainiac who's, you know, siphoning everything from all over the Earth and is going to be on a collision course with the Earth because of what, you know, they try to do using the Phantom Zone portal... And uh, it's all very big, you know, Martian Manhunter and Superman are, are trying to hold back the collision from happening and, you know, seven billion people are going to die. And, um, <laughs> and, and there's a, a real big cliffhanger, I guess, with, uh, you know, a massive explosion in the, in the uh, Fortress of Solitude that opens up the Phantom Zone and Lord Mongol and Non uh, both escape. But I, I kind of find this interesting as a cliffhanger, of course, what happens next in Superman Wonder Woman number 11. Yeah, I, I, I like the idea that um, they're kind of going all out for that. I mean, you have to, right? Right. Um, and they're somehow combining Superman's heat vision with uh, it looked like a satellite dish to give them more power so that they can open a larger portal so that they can take the whole Earth and the invading force into the Phantom Zone, which will then give them time to save everybody because there's no time in the Phantom Zone. Something else, you know, Phantom Zone related, they, they're they using the Phantom King in earlier part of the story. And in this story, they mentioned that he escaped and that somebody has to go get him. But I don't remember him actually escaping. I remember him laughing and Lex Luthor saying that he had another plan and Batman kept telling him to shut up. But I don't I don't remember the, the Phantom King actually getting out and escaping because um, – What's-her-name was in there holding him and making mm. sure that he didn't get away. And what I love about it, too, is, you know, Baca mentions that Superman's back and that he looks happy as he used to be. And I think that, that a, a big part of that is the artist, uh, Aaron Cooter, mm. who, who it, to my eye, draws Superman looking happier and brighter than any other artist. Uh, the art's not particularly realistic, but it is very bright and cheery and it's very uh hopeful and inspiring looking i think yeah and then we uh go as i said to superman wonder woman number 11 
which, as I say, is the second chapter of Last Sun. We see um, Non and a Mongol come into, you know, released from the Phantom Zone. They look at all the screens, they see what's happening, and they just turn around and go back into the Phantom Zone. <laughs> it is funny. <laughs> uh, I did jump ahead about the Earth. and the. What's interesting about that, too, is, and maybe it's because it's his book, but we finally get to see Batman kind of shaking his head and not knowing what to do, and Superman saying, I have an idea. And I like that. And then, you know, maybe it wouldn't have happened that way if it was a Justice League book or a Batman book. But uh, here we have Superman that's the one with the idea and and the one that's saying we're going to do this. And if we don't hear the idea, we then get to see it in this next episode. And uh, you're right. Uh, they go, you know, uh, I, I don't have a uh, I don't have a good feeling about this. So uh, maybe it's better that we just head back to where we were before. <laughs> So the cliffhanger from the previous issue is just like, oh, thanks, no, we're turning around, going back. Uh, but to, uh, to to continue with the Phantom Zone story element, I guess, uh, Wonder Woman heads into the Phantom Zone uh, and searches out Mongol. So, uh, you know, five minutes earlier, he was actually there in the Fortress of Solitude, but now she has to go looking for him in the Phantom Zone while Superman uh, goes inside his head to confront the uh, the doomsday side of his uh, personality, which he has locked in a, a mental cage, but uh, not for long. Yeah, he breaks out, I guess. And, uh, of course, the doomsday version of him is laughing, uh, saying, oh, you definitely made the, the right choice. This is the right thing to do. And then, of course, he's kicking him down again later. But um, it's an interesting kind of uh, a contrivance they've been using to show Clark's inner struggle it reminds me of I don't know if I mentioned this before it reminds me of Superman 3 because there aren't there aren't two characters here but we get to see them fighting each other as if there were uh, in Mm. this mental sort of battle that they continue to have Um, I thought it would have been interesting initially when I was reading it I thought that they should have had Superman save Lana Steele and and, and, uh, Cyborg before the thing exploded, but then that's kind of resolved later because they do when they're in the little pod. You know, it exploded, and then Martian Manhunter says, you know, I have them, don't worry. Mm. And Superman's clearly worried about them, but he didn't go off and save oh, them, yeah. which which would have been interesting to see. But then I guess they were busy, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> they do go and save them after the fact. Uh, and I thought that the... I don't know if it was purposely done, but I thought that War World looked like the incompleted Death Star. <laughs> yeah, Did you, I don't know if you noticed no, that. I saw that. Yeah, <laughs> very cool. Um, there always was was a bit of a similarity between them, or you know, kind of a throw to that. Um, and we will see the continuation of this story take place in the second Superman Doomed special. Um, although Last Sun Chapter Three uh, actually takes place in Supergirl Number Thirty Four. Which really isn't a f- its third chapter in this Last Sun uh, story because it kind of it's almost a side story, if you like, of Supergirl and what's happening to her while these events are going on. She doesn't directly get involved um, so much as it's all about you know her falling to Earth, being saved by this uh, young uh, teenager in a, a wheelchair uh, whose parents are in uh, captured, you know, and asleep. Uh, in the in Metropolis uh, through Brainiac's uh, involvement and about Supergirl and his you know their relationship kind of growing in this time of you know him 
keeping her safe and helping her get back on her feet and then her going off to, to try to save his parents or find his parents um, while everything else is going on with the uh, the Brainiac fight that the other superheroes are, are doing. And she, she happens to see the Lois and Wonder Woman fight that took place in an earlier chapter um, happening. It So it kind of sets us into the timeline where this is in where this is happening for Supergirl. Well, we did see her in that story at the time. It was before she went yeah. off. You know, she was in. She was going to try and help, and then yeah, and then she uh, Super Doom, Kryptonite Cloud, and ended up telling her, you know, I'm not there, so they need you. But then she had the red ring on, and she ended up taking off and going somewhere else anyway. And then in in Supergirl 33, she falls into the sun because she's trying to destroy the uh, uh, world killer or whatever that mm. was on her. And and she's completely depowered because of the kryptonite, but then she falls into the sun and gets repowered, which I'm not certain that a completely depowered Kryptonian falling into the sun would have that result, but okay, let's say that it does. She then has she, – she's, oh, I feel better than I've ever felt before. I never had such direct contact before. Of course not because you've never been in the sun before. <laughs> but then you then she goes down to Earth right after she was in direct contact with the sun and doesn't even have control enough of her abilities to not be able to crash into this kid's house. Yeah, I guess that's through the, the kryptonite cloud that's surrounding the Earth. But you think someone who'd be uh, over, overly powered through the sun would be able to, to do that. Um, but – uh, not to be, I guess that's a, a fault of the writing or a bit of a, you know, maybe it, it took a lot of her powers to come from the sun that far yeah, into space with, without any breath. But, um, yeah, I mean, it is a comic book, so we can let them have that uh, that uh, little bit of a, a gaffe there. But uh, an interesting uh, story with the relationship with this young Michael and the kiss and the public reaction to that. And then Michael and everybody else around them are also become victims of Brainiac's uh, mind, whatever it is that he's doing to everybody, got into a coma, and uh, she looks up in the sky and sees the cyborg Superman who she's had a running in, run in with before, uh, who we know is actually, um, I, don't, I think she knows, or maybe she's forgotten, I can't remember, that it's actually Zorel. I don't think she ever found that out. No, I, I don't think I, she because did. Because the way they seem to point it out in the story is she doesn't. She knows him. She she knows. She recognizes she him. Yeah. Dealt with him before, but I don't think she knows the direct link that she has with this individual. Mm. And uh, you know, I'm hoping that we get some more resolution to that because it was a crazy way to reintroduce uh, cyborg. Yeah. So. We move into Superboy number 34, which, as you mentioned, is the final issue of that title. Um, uh, sad to see that book end. It was a bit of a convoluted ending, although I think the writer did a pretty good job of trying to summarize what's happened, where you know what's happened to this date, to this time in in reference, as far as you know all the different things that have happened to Superboy, Connell, uh, John Lane Kent and how it's all gotten to this point in time. Uh, it was a little bit confusing, but a nice way to wrap it all up. And we see that uh, Cornell may still be around for a possible relaunch or involvement somewhere down the line. I've heard some rumours about him maybe being involved in the Gen 13 title. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. It's definitely nice to see him back. I mean, he... 
it's unfortunate to say that John, who is supposed to be the son of, of Clark and Lois in the future, was a disappointment as Superboy and was evil most of the time. And then because they knew the title was ending, he seemingly did a complete 180 and became somebody totally different uh, and was a hero all of a sudden. And then in this Paradox episode, which was 33, I think, we, we see him come back as a good guy, as a kid, as a baby, because that's the manifestation that he chose because in, in their created universe, you can be whatever you want. But then at the end of that story, he comes back again as the evil John, and he's going to kill everybody. And I'm not exactly sure how suddenly John has the ability to kill all the other Superboys and that other team and Khan and himself, who is another version of himself who's a good guy, and why John suddenly has all this extra power that all the other Superboys don't have. And then in 34, he's suddenly able to control all the other Superboys and have them attack the good guys – which I don't remember him ever being able to do. And if he's able to do it, why can't the others do it? it? You know, I know you're saying it's a nice way to end the series, and it was nice to see Khan back because he was a much better Superboy than John was, which, again, is sad to say because John is supposed to be the son of, uh, of Lois and Clark from the future, which is bad news in my opinion. But uh, and, and Khan was the hero. He was the one who went off to his death to save the world before, and it's nice to see him back. But I thought that the story – I was completely confused most of the time. And the story – you know, I know you like time travel and sometimes I do too. You know, I love the Back to the Future movies. But this just a lot – mostly didn't make sense. It was like – to me, it was like, well, here's John but it's not John because he's a good guy and John was a bad guy. But here's murderous John. But John wasn't murderous anymore. He had gone on the path to store – sort of start to become a good guy, but really that was only a contrivance because the writers knew the title was ending and they didn't want to end with Superboy as a bad guy. So now suddenly for no explainable reason, John's become a good guy, only we want to have the bad guy still here so that there's a conflict. So there's another version of John who's the same version of John, but from before when he was still angry. It's very confusing and um, I didn't like it. I didn't. No, fair enough, and I understand they seem to give him a power that just kind of out of nowhere, and they, one of the characters says, are you kidding me? He can mind meld too, so like all of a sudden he was able to mind meld and take over the other Superboys, as you mentioned, and um, has this power that uh, the others weren't aware of, or, you know, um, I mean, we knew that he could he could do these kinds of things with his mind, we've seen it in previous issues where he was able to control the emotions or whatever of other characters, or maybe he did that through one of the other superheroes, but um, well, I think it was one of the go- the female superheroes. But uh, yeah, it, it was a little bit confusing as to who was what, which where, which part of John. Why did John all of a sudden in you know the one with the the burnt eye or whatever it is that he's in eye injury, um, you know, suddenly become all good? I know Connell had some involvement there and some influence on him and was able to you know bring him around, but uh, it all did get. I mean, I guess if they had more time, then maybe. You know, we could have seen that change take place over more issues, and his turn into the you know to a, a good character take place in a more believable manner or more believable timeline. But I guess as the case was, that they needed to shut up shop in number thirty-four, and so we got this pretty quick and uh, convoluted resolution. Although, as I say, I think the writer did uh, a reasonable job in trying to summarize it and, and sum it all up so that you could you know, get a, a sense of where things were without being totally 
uh, you know, bamboozled by it all. So uh, some credit to Aaron Cooter there for uh, being able to, to wrap it up in, in a manner that was, you know, uh, if not to everybody's satisfaction, then uh, at least readable. Yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I, I definitely like Khan being back. Um, I, I don't get the whole idea of, of John suddenly being redeemed. I mean, he was a murderous guy who killed lots of people just because it was fun. Uh, it's a little like Darth Vader, you know, uh, George Lucas saying that the story of Star Wars is, is about Anakin and his dissension in the dark side and then his redemption. I don't think that a murderous person who has laid waste to countless worlds and killed hundreds and millions is suddenly redeemed because he saves Luke. Uh, the same thing kind of happens here. Uh, you can't become a good guy. You know, uh, you can say, well, I'm going to do good things now because I don't believe in what I used to do, but you're still the person who murdered hundreds or thousands or however many people he murdered before he came to the re revelation that he needs to be a good guy now. So I know in Marvel, a lot of the Marvel readers, a lot of the people say that Marvel's much more interesting because they have dark characters who do dark things but then redeem themselves or who are dark heroes or whatever. Uh, but that doesn't really fly as far as, for me, with someone being a hero. You know, mm. uh, you do something heroic after you've murdered a bunch of people because it was fun doesn't suddenly make you a hero. Yeah. And that really seems like the direction they were trying to go there. And again, it was because they didn't have time to end the book properly, but but uh, uh, I don't buy it. it. Yeah, yeah I don't enough. buy it. Yeah, no, I can understand that. Uh, so that is what's happened in the comics to date. Um, but still on a comic book kind of spin, did you see that the Action Comics number one, the 9.0, very fine near mint copy that had uh, you know perfect white pages, the best known copy to exist out there, went for $3.2 million on eBay. A record breaking $3.2 million. And the previous record held by a uh, very different book than this, um, Action Comics number one, uh, which was also <laughs> graded at 9.0. Um, for 2.16 million just a couple of years ago. So um, mm. clearly the value and the desire to have these uh, very few copies that exist is still very strong. So uh, yeah, that was very neat to see. I, uh, I, I made a bid of um, uh, $3.99, um, but uh, it was laughed at and rejected. Yeah, so uh, the, the previous copy that you mentioned was owned by Nicolas Cage and while it had a 9.0 rating as well, it uh, had uh, cream to off-white pages where this 9.0 CGC rated Action Comics number one had perfect white pages and considered the best that there is of this. Uh, there are only, th I think, like 30 known to exist. Um, and uh, the issue, one of less than 50 unrestored copies believed to remain today, uh, which was sold by uh, Darren Adams, who owns... Pristine Comics in Federal Way, Seattle, uh, is now uh, $3.2 million richer. Wow. Now, before we move off the comics completely, I didn't know exactly where to put it in, but I wanted to mention this because I think it, it, I think it might be a discussion that someone might want to have. And okay. I want to try to bring it up in a respectful way because I don't care. Uh, and I actually think that Obviously, you know, we've talked about diversity in comics before and we've talked about why don't they introduce new characters instead of changing other characters. Um, uh, we, you know, we have this new um, 
I guess, alternate universe line of, of Superman where, where he's a black guy because yeah. um, they're trying to extend that and they're not making Clark Kent a black guy like they did with Perry in the movie. And um, I thought, again, uh, uh, Perry was great in the movie and it was Perry and it was played wonderfully and it was great. Um, here we have two female characters who should be and have been presented as strong characters each having their own personality supergirl being strong because she's very headstrong she's very independent she believes what she believes she she doesn't really trust a lot of people and and she wants to go forward with whatever it is she's going to do and she doesn't want to take a lot of guff from anybody while she does it mm -hmm. that being said she shouldn't necessarily be a character who needs a relationship in order to define her you know i had this discussion about the wonder woman character in the upcoming uh, Superman Batman movie where uh, I was saying I really hope they don't go the Batman romance angle with Wonder Woman, which I could really see them doing being that Batman's in this movie and he's so popular and he's so great and so many people think that Wonder Woman and Batman should be a couple for whatever reason. But I had this discussion with them and what they said was being a Wonder Woman fan – I don't think they should have a romance. Maybe later, maybe more when we know more about the character, maybe as part of the story. But I don't think that we need a Superman or a Batman or a Steve Trevor or anybody to define her or to make her whole. She should be a whole character, a character that has strength and knows who she is and knows what's going on without there having to be a romance involved. Same thing goes for Supergirl. And it has been three years and she has tried – different romances throughout that time most of which have ended have ended horribly uh, i think uh, the i think maybe only one and it was the one with uh, uh l where she was in this uh, horrible relationship with a supervillain so it's nice but while it's nice that she's meeting someone that she seems to have a connection with and, and she keeps saying things like i've never met anyone like this before and it's a little it's a little irksome because it seems to indicate, and I know she's had trust issues with everybody, but it seems to indicate that in her entire three years on Earth, she has never met anyone as nice or as heroic or as friendly or as brave or whatever she thinks of this boy who was in a car accident who is now in a wheelchair who was willing to help her when she was injured. And those are all great things that he did. But it seems to me during her time on Earth, she would have seen – other humans doing great things and helpful things to other people too all that being said he's a black kid and that's fine then you go over to the steel and lana situation and you have lana who's always been from the start of the new 52 very strong her her own character she's had a much larger role than i can remember lana having in uh, years before the new 52 which i thought was great i love the little playful attitude between her and clark um, it's, I'm sure it's kind of cool to Lana fans that she's not smitten with Clark and that she's not always pining away as she often was depicted in the comics before the new 52. It was always Clark was the one that got away. Wow. How much better my life would have been if I, if I would have went with Clark when he asked me and now it's too late. Now, what am I going to do? It was always looking for Clark to possibly define her or her whole reason for being in the book. So it was nice to see Lana have this strong character. She's this engineer, a very different uh, idea from who Lana was. Lana was never that type of character before, but okay, they wanted to give her something really important to do, much like Lois has been very involved in this whole arc. Um, Lois 
a lot of times it's just a background character who happens to be in love with Superman and people hate that. So it's nice to have them very involved. So now you have this story where, you know, Supergirl suddenly is kissing this kid that she just met. Okay, he kind of helped her when she was injured. So maybe it's the whole speed, the whole speed thing where, you know, the speed, the movie where they say people under uh, traumatic conditions sometimes fall in love and end up in a relationship. Uh, but a lot of times it end up going badly or, or whatever. And maybe the same thing is going with Steel and Lana. And we don't know exactly where that is going to go. But my guess is we're going to see a relationship develop there. And it's better than just having a male character there to help complete her character because she's we've already seen her as a mm. complete character up till this point. So now they're introducing a romance. And now that could be cool. And I love Steel. I always have. I, I've liked his character. Uh, and I like um, what they did with some of the um, secondary stories and some of the earlier titles when the new 52 first launched. I don't think we've seen a lot of him since then. And he's kind of a side character. As you said, many of the Justice League may not even know who he is. Um, but I guess what I'm getting to, and I, it was a long way of getting to it, is you have, you have two um, – pretty big characters in the dcu uh, steals a pretty big character too and then you have this unknown boy who is now going to be involved with supergirl and they both happen to be black kids now was this black people was this was this intentional are they see it doesn't it's not a problem when you have something happen organically and when you have a story come out so in the steel situation they got thrown together they're on this ship they're they're being heroic together she sees how heroic he is maybe she's fallen for him maybe he's fallen for her he does say earlier in the story he's never met a more intelligent or more capable engineer and and the kind of person that he is you could see that he might be attracted to that type of a woman in the other case, they're two young kids, they're teenagers, um, maybe in a traumatic situation together, maybe they fall for each other. But in both cases, they happen to be black characters. Now, is this someone, Is this someone again, shoving diversity down our throats for the sake of diversity and creating a story that really didn't come out of anywhere just because we need diversity? And, and are they trying to make a political statement? Are they trying to be someone who says look at this we have black people in our comics and they can be in love with uh, super powered beings or or is it really organic and and in one case i feel like it's not organic i feel like it was it was rushed in there and 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 why not that there has to be a reason but why is it a black kid and what's the what's the ulterior motive not that there has to be and i i feel like i fear that i'm i'm sounding like someone i don't want to sound like here and i feel like i'm going to get comments like wow you know i can't believe that you're racist or that you're this or that and i'm not i'm not i'm not at all i'm just wondering what the motive is here and why uh in either case it's going the way it's going i, I don't yeah, know if- i understand what you're saying and uh, you know it's it is a um a touchy subject on some levels um yeah i i don't know you know i mean th- there was a choice was made obviously he's not just black but he's also um handicapped like he's in a he's in a wheelchair and that was obviously you know a choice they made as well he wasn't injured in the in anything that happened due to you know his parents uh predicament so it was a choice they made to make him um someone who was both in a wheelchair and um you know a a black a kid so i mean it was definitely a choice there but what the reasoning behind it is why 
they decided to to make those two particular choices. I, you'd have to ask the writer, I guess. I'd, I'd you know, it wasn't something that really um, uh, was, you know, came to my mind at the time reading it. I, you know, I guess, um, you know, it is what it is. I, I didn't really have any particular problems with it. Yes, it was kind of shoehorned in for Supergirl to then get romantically involved with him. Um, I just, you know, I don't know. I, I, don't, I understand where you're coming from and I understand, the, the, you know, the point you're making. Um, with the still Lana thing, I mean, they're two established characters that have been around for many years and, and it makes sense on a, on a one level. So, yeah, I know, you, you know you're saying that, that wasn't as uh, big a problem. And, and as for, you know, female characters having to be... Um, be in romantic relationship, whatever. I mean, Superman's been in one for 76 years. Lois has been a romantic figure for him since day dot, since Action Comics number one. So uh, that doesn't necessarily define him as a character. Uh, characters like Supergirl and Wonder Woman are going to have relationship um, issues throughout their stories because people have romantic and relationship issues through their stories. So it just makes sense for any character, male or female, to have a romantic link to somebody at some point in their storyline. Um, that's just life. Um, so, but as for the choices made with the Supergirl story, I, in a good, uh, it's a good question. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I don't, uh, I, I don't, I never had a problem with there being romantic involvements. I just know that I've had that conversation with yeah. people in terms of someone being established. And I think in this case, all of the characters, except for uh, the new character, the the handicapped character, Michael. have been established. They all have their own uh, lives. They all have their own what they do. They all have their own strengths or whatever yeah, it is that they don't, you know, they don't have to. It's not like they're relying on that romance to tell their story. And and both steel. And Michael are very heroic, very likable, very, um, ca- very uh, captivating, charming characters that you could see anybody being interested in. So it's not a matter of that they shouldn't be or that they wouldn't be. I was just kind of wondering the cho- um, at the choice, as you said, what the choices were, and and uh, it doesn't matter that those choices were made, especially if. Um, they really just designed those characters that way, and that's the way it was. As long, you know, what I don't like is something being forced for the sake of it being there. Yeah, yeah, and I, I kind of saying, I, like in the Super Friends cartoons, when they had those two particular superheroes who were, you know, for diversity, they brought in the um, the the one who was a, an American Indian and the other one who was um, a Black American. You know, it was just like for diversity's hmm. sake, they brought in the, and made up these characters because they felt like there wasn't enough diversity. And and that's an issue with comics in general. You know, it's always been you know um, a particular drawn way because of the era they were created in and um, over time more diversification has come into the comic books but sometimes it seems to be uh, you know forced in as you say and other times it just seems to grow organically and maybe this is a way with Michael to introduce a new character that's going to be I mean I'm not sure what his story is going to be other than He's now involved with Supergirl, yeah. and 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 you know this could last one issue or it could last forever. Maybe she's going to be uh, involved with him romantically, and going forward, that's going to help her be more human and be more uh, earthbound, and 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 maybe that'll help develop her character in that way. And then we'll see him develop through that, uh, as far as him being a teenager who uh, who is very capable, but also in a wheelchair, and and um, uh, c- clearly a good person who wants to help. So. 
it could be an interesting way to introduce a brand new character that is new to the uh, the DC world who you know may or may not move forward from from that point and steel as we said uh, with lana they're both already established characters and right now they're primarily supporting characters in the superman book who will then have to have more pages and more story devoted to them in superman books going forward to mm-hmm. see that relationship develop okay well uh interesting point i'm sure we'll get some feedback on that topic it'll be interesting to see uh, what some other people's thoughts are on that. But talking about some people's ideas and th- thoughts, let's move into the big question segment of our show. Let's start with the big question. Last month's question was, what do you think of the Wonder Woman costume and the tweaked Superman costume for Batman v Superman? Yeah, well, who do we have up first? Well, Guthrie McLean wrote in, I'm a little disappointed in Wonder Woman's tiara. That's one of my favorite elements of her costume. Not sure about the long metal boots. I hope her colors look brighter in later picks. I otherwise like it. I don't mind Superman's tweaks. The blue looks possibly brighter, which I like. I only hope the red looks brighter this time. I prefer the original size of the S closer to the neckline. I like it resembling Jor-El's S, but at the same time, skeptical as I am, I want it to stay true to the classic. Yeah, some interesting thoughts there and well thought out from Guthrie. Argent L writes in, Dear Stephen Scotty, after last month's big question, there's something that I really need to clear up. I'm a huge admirer of Mr. Zachary Quinto, so as Lois would say, putting it delicately, I would not mind a Vulcan neck pinch from either Spock. Okay. Uh, what was this month's question anyway? I can't seem to remember. Oh, yeah, yeah, the new outfits. They're perfect. When I look at the three images, I see Superman, Wonder Woman, and Batman. Pretty exciting. Thank you, Argent. I agree. Danny C. wrote, How does Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman look? Is this really a question to ponder? People are willing to believe in a world where a man can fly, another man who is human has unlimited wealth and can't be killed, and a woman is Amazonian and at one point flew an invisible jet. That all seems reasonable, but a change in costume is completely ridiculous. I want everybody who complains about changes in costumes to wear exactly what they're wearing right now this very day for the next 75-plus years. Does that seem reasonable? The answer to to this question, gentlemen, is very very simple. I love the change. Keep up the amazing work, and I look forward to the next question. Thank you, Danny. Some interesting thoughts there. Yeah, you know, I mean, we expect these characters to stay in the costumes for so many years. There's always going to be some changes, some tweaks, some some uh, different versions. So, uh, some interesting thoughts by Danny. Next up, we have Patrick O'Neill, who writes in and says, I really like the tweaks they made to the Superman costume. I really like the Man of Steel costume, but the tweaks they made improved it. I like that the suit is a brighter blue. It will make Superman stand out as the brighter symbol of hope he is. As far as Wonder Woman's costume goes, I like the first picture, but I'm going to reserve judgment until I see a few more photos. Thanks, Stephen Scotty. Keep up the good work. Love the show. Thank you, Patrick. Thank you. Ben Antonini wrote, I don't agree with the color scheme of Wonder Woman's costume. There needs to be another color to accent her costume instead of this monochromatic brown. Hoping it was the lens setting chosen for the photo, I do love the design of her costume. From the most recent set photos, the Superman suit is much brighter than before, especially the glyph and blue suit. Even his slicked hair looks the part minus the spit curl. I don't remember Henry's abs sticking out through the suit in Man of Steel. Yeah, the, the abs do seem to be more prominent, whether it's a design on the uh, costume, like a, a screen print of some kind to show some shadowing. It's definitely more prominent in the photos that we've seen. 
Wes Hubbard writes in. He says, I think both costumes are indicative of the 21st century. Superman's costume is more streamlined while being traditional at the same time. And Wonder Woman's costume is also indicative of the times and also ready for action at a moment's notice for action while being an emissary for peace. Yes, I like her costume a lot. I like mm-hmm. the armored look. I like that she's a warrior. I mean, that's what she always has been, and I don't think that's really been represented in live action, so I, I think it's great. Uh, Donovan Hunter wrote, I think Gal Gadot looks wonderful, literally. I can't wait to see her in action. I think Henry's suit looks better than he looked in Man of Steel. Looking forward to seeing them both on the big screen in March 2016. Thanks again, Stephen Scotty. You guys are one of my favorite podcasts. Oh, thank you, Donovan. That's very kind very of you. Very nice. Now, you asked for an audio response last month, and we've got one this month from Mikey B, and let's hear what he has to say about the costumes. Hey, Steve. Hey, Sky. It's Mikey B. Um, I think the important thing is that none of the these new suits take anything away from the movie, at least in my opinion. You know, I mean, that's the first thing that I like to see is that it's something that looks great. It, you know, um, it looks like it will work well in motion in this case which is different than on the, you know, the, the comic book page. And, and I think they took all those things into account. So as I said, I'm just, I think it's great. These things don't appear to be anything that's going to detract from the movie. And I think they're all going to work fantastic. All right, guys, take care. Well, thank you, Mikey. Some, uh, always great to hear from you, literally. Uh, so we appreciate your audio response. Now, what is our new big question for this month, Scotty? Outside of the main Superman comic books, which title involving Superman are you currently enjoying the most? Yeah, let us know which comic book involving Superman is your favorite at the moment. And you can do that by answering our big question by clicking on the big question button found at the Superman homepage and send your entry in. Each person's response will be read out by Scotty and I. Or as Mikey B did, you can record an audio response and send it to us as an MP3 file. All the instructions are there on the new Big Question page for Radio KAL. I'm laughing at you, you hear? Laughing! It's time time for the Superman comedy sketch. Steve has been searching and searching, and he's finally come up with another one that uh, he thinks you'll enjoy. Yeah, it's not exactly Superman-related. Well, I mean, it is Superman-related, but it's not Superman-centric in that we have the uh, a discussion between Colossal Man and his son Colossal Boy in a comedy sketch called Family Business with uh, Red Skelton and Robert Wagner as the uh, two guys involved in this very funny comedy sketch. It is It was a video sketch uh, on TV, but we think it translates well into audio, so you'll get the gist of it. And here it is, Family Business. Robert Wagner and Red Skelton in The Family Business. Well, the reason I'm not reading it is because I had no business this week and I lost a fortune. A failure. I married a failure. I do my best, Clara. Man can only do his best. Loser. (laughs) Ah, this colossal boy. There was the man. There was the man. I'll bet he never had problems like that. I bet if I was like one of these guys in the comic books, like old Colossal Man, I'd... 
We didn't have any problems either. Test marks in 20 minutes. <laughs> Son, why do you waste your time with those protest marches? You should be thinking about taking over my business. I'm not interested. You're not interested. That's your trouble. All you ever think about is wine, women, and song, and carousing around. Well, what's wrong with that? You never take me with you. Dad, you're always trying to push me into the business. Now, let's have a man-to-man -man talk. Man-to-man -man talk? Okay, I'll get your mother. Just the two of us this time. The two of us, huh? Well, if we're going to discuss business, You'll have to get in your, your uh, get out of those work clothes. Get in the work clothes. Get out of that stuff there. You look funnier than I do. Yeah, just speed it up there. Just speed it up, son. In this business, you got to be fast. Speed... How do you like that? That coat's got built-in muscles. You about ready, son? Yes, Dad. Now, come out and we'll talk business. <laughs> Dad, I feel like a Chinese sunset. <laughs> ah, you're, you're kidding. You should be proud to be in the family's business. Oh, it's, it's no good. <laughs> I love you, son, but I don't know how to tell you this. Unless you take over the business, I'm going to kill you. You killed Colossal Boy? The only way you can kill me is to drive a building through my heart. Come on, relax, smile. Let's work up a little appetite, huh? You want to play catch like we did in the old days? Here. I, I didn't I know you were going to throw it back. Dad. Dad. Son, I just noticed it. What is it? Is that a mustache? It's a colossal stash. A colossal stash. I've seen more hair on bacon. Dad. Yes, I want to be treated like a man, Dad. Treated like a man, huh? Yes, which reminds me, I have a date tonight. Date? Yes, may I have the keys to the sky? No. First, you're going to take your piano lessons. Oh, Dad. Yeah. I'll let you hear you play. Wow. Ah! Be nice there. Yeah, here you are. Isn't that beautiful? A silent night. You're terrific. You're terrific. When I was your age, I couldn't carry a tune. I don't want to.
to take piano lessons, and I don't want to wear this silly suit. What's wrong with this silly suit? That's the best suit in the world, where nothing can destroy it. Fire, bullets, knives, cannons. But why can't I ever get it clean? Well, it fades in soapy water. Dad, I don't go for any of this stuff. You don't? I have a college degree, and I'm not going to spend my life flying around in a red suit like a big bird. How do you like that? My boy hates me. My own flesh and blood oh, hates that's me. That's not true, Dad. Yes, it is. I admire your feats of strength. Now, you remember that time that you kept an airplane from taking off? Yeah. How did you do that? <laughs> I got the pilot drunk. <laughs> How do you like that? That lousy laundry left the tag in there. <laughs> and it stinks, you know. Dad, yes. This is ridiculous. <laughs> Oh, 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 oh. Oh, dear. oh, that's all right. Went on my toe. It was the youngest. It's all right. Dad, look how we live. Yeah. Have you ever... You like them little goodies I throw in, huh? Have you ever thought how hard it would be if you turned your talents to show business? No, no. I tried that once. I got an offer from Ed Sullivan. What did he want you to do on he the show? He wanted me to come on the show and throw a safe across the stage with him inside it. <laughs> he says he'd make me a big star. He said that, a big star. You, uh, you didn't trust Sullivan? I trust him as far as I could throw him. <laughs> Dad. Besides, who needs show business? Who needs show business? Dad, I respect what you're trying to do for me, but, yeah. I, but I have other plans. Oh, you do? Yes, I want to be a baker who's a part-time surgeon with the knowledge of nuclear fission who's able to surf professionally. <laughs> Are there much calls for that? Well, so far, I, I haven't seen any in the want ads. Oh, here's one, here's one. Wanted. A, a, a baker, part-time surgeon who has knowledge of nuclear fission. Yeah, but, but there's no uh, professional surfing required. Shucks. What's going on in here? you out chasing a freight train. Look, will you try to talk some sense into our son? What other kind of career would you like to have, dear? What else would you like this, to this do? This is his career. I want to be a free man. I want to make my own decisions. I don't want to be caged up like this, like this little bird. Oh. Oh. Fly away, little bird. Be free. Free. Fly. Fly, bird. <laughs> our Thanksgiving dinner. Just one second thought. Maybe you should change your mind and join the business. It would make your father so happy. No, no, Mother. I'm not going to be pushed into the family business. I want to make it with my wits, not with brute force. All right. If that's the way you want it, there's no place for you in this house. Oh. Go. You're right. I'm too smart for the room. I have no business being here. I'm, I'm too intelligent for this. If I've told you once, I've told you a thousand times. That is a wall, that's a door. When you go out of a room, you go out a door. Right again, Dad. <laughs> There you have it. Uh, some some funny stuff there between those two great uh, great actors. 
Now, most of this stuff I think you can find on YouTube, right? Mm-hmm. If you want to, if you want to look it up and see what the video was that that uh, accompanies the sound you just heard, and uh, I'm sure it'll be a lot of fun to see. Yeah, especially uh, the costume for uh, old, Colossal uh, Boy. Yeah, yeah. Only one thing alive with less than four legs can hear this frequency, Superman, and that's you. It's time for the super secret soundbite now. Last month's sound came from Superman, the animated series, the episode titled Fun and Games. Six people guessed it correctly, and they were Fred Walsh, Mario Benisi, Hector, David Huang, Donovan Hunter, and Eunice and Patrick O'Neill. Yes, and let's uh, listen to that uh, sound to remind everybody what it was uh, from the episode Fun and Games involving Toy Man. Childhood is a terrible thing to lose, Miss Lane. But I'm getting mine back. So there you have it. That was the sound that those people guessed correctly. So well done to all those six people. Now let's see if uh, they and more people can guess where in the world of Superman this new super secret soundbite comes from. To 300 cycles of somatic reconditioning. Well, any ideas, Scotty? Don't give it away. Uh, Smallville television series season 11 episode six okay well that's scotty's guess uh let's see what everyone out there thinks where that sound came from get involved with the super secret sound bike by clicking on the button for or sorry filling out the form and sending your entry in everyone who guesses it right will have their name read out here on radio kal what better prize than having your name read out <laughs> on radio kal and mispronounced by either you or i That's right. Superman song time. This month's song is, wow, imagine that, titled Superman. That's by Donnell Jones from the 2009 album The Lost Files. Yeah, you can follow Donnell on Twitter. His, his, what would you call it, his handle? Handle, yeah. Yeah, is at Donnell Jones. That's D-O-N-E-L-L Jones 96. So that's his uh, Twitter handle, and here is his song, Superman. See 
That's our show. That is another Radio KL podcast done for the month of August. Uh, remember, if there's a topic you want us to, to speak about, uh, maybe there's a song you'd like us to, to suggest, we are running low. We have no more comedy sketches, so maybe there's one that you've seen or heard of that you'd like us to play. All those suggestions, anything about our show that you would like to get back to us about, you can use the KAL feedback form to do that, or you can send an email. My email address is steve at supermanhomepage.com. And Scotty's is scotty at supermanhomepage.com. And we will try to use those suggestions in a future show. But for now, that is it. Thank you, Scotty. Thank you, Steve. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And remember, as far as I know, I don't have any evil duplicates of myself that are ready to kill you at a moment's notice and or eat cake. You've been listening to Radio KAL, brought to you by supermanhomepage.com. <laughs>